It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's all about timing and opportunity. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday, still from sunny Fort Stewart. Appreciate you guys adjusting to my ever-changing schedule, but appreciate you guys being with me as always. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And certainly appreciate you guys spending this Friday with us. we got a lot to get to here, some possible trade targets for the Hawks. Falcons wrap up OTAs minicamp coming up next week. And we'll start today with the Atlanta Braves, who have now won eight in a row after a 3-1 victory last night and a fantastic column in The Athletic by the Braves beat writer Dave O'Brien on the meeting that Brian Snitker had with the Braves that precipitated this eight-game winning streak. Now, uh, the Braves were playing bad, and I was one. Hit the rewind button again because I just like to recount for everybody in case you haven't heard me say this before. But it was the beginning of May, and I remember the show that we had. Um, it was the beginning of May, and people were panicking, and the Braves weren't looking good, and they weren't playing well. And I told everybody to pump the brakes, relax. And I said, look, they have this this series, eight, eight games against, I think it was the Padres, the Brewers, you know, uh, and somebody else, I can't remember who it was. But regardless, you know, they had a chance to get over 500. And they didn't do it. And I said their next best opportunity to get over 500 was this stretch that they're currently in right now leading up to June 15th was the date on the wall. They weren't above 500 by June 15th. That's when I was going to start panicking. But even I started to get a little bit flustered about the way the Braves were playing. And I talked repeatedly over the past couple of weeks about just they didn't look like they were a good baseball team. They weren't playing a good brand of baseball. Even their losses didn't look like there was a team that was in the baseball game, right? Like there was just a lot of things optically that didn't sit well about the Braves. So they lose the first two games at Arizona and Brian Snicker calls a meeting with the team. And, you know, as it's detailed by Dave O'Brien in the athletic, this is not a scream and shout rah-rah guy. He's not going to, you know, peel the paint off the walls, kind of yelling um, with his guys, but he sat down with them and had a talk and they haven't lost since. And this is why I said it's about timing and opportunity. The timing was right for Brian Snitker to give that speech, right? And it was needed and it was necessary. And part of me thinks, well, why don't you do that speech two weeks before that, right? Like maybe that was the timing to do it. But there is a sentiment, and Dave O'Brien reflects this, that you know it was the even-keeled demeanor that allowed everybody to stay where they needed to stay mentally to be able to fight through the tough times. Again, Remember this about baseball, guys. It is a slog. It is a long season. Every season is six months, okay? But you don't play every day like you do in baseball. In reality, the football season is six months. August, September, October, November, December, January. I mean, it's it's six months if you're a playoff team. Um, and, and it's the same thing for the NBA. They start in November and they end right now in June. It's a six-month season if you're a deep playoff team. So... Baseball's a little bit different. It's a six-month regular season played every single day. 
And so there's going to be tons of ups and downs. There's going to be tons of periods where you don't play well and tons of periods where you just feel like you can't lose to anybody. That's just part of the way the game is. They had this meeting in Arizona and they win eight straight. That was the timing that was needed. The opportunity has been the teams that they've played. And this is exactly what I focused on. After the final win in Arizona, four against the Rockies, two against the A's, four against the Pirates, right? Four against the Nationals, three against the Nationals, rather. Like, this is exactly the teams that you wanted to play. This is the opportunity that they had to get above 500, and they're taking advantage of it. Now, again, in fairness to them, you know, just from a numbers standpoint, look at what the Braves have done. Prior to this eight-game winning streak, this is a team that was batting 244, and they were averaging 10 strikeouts a game. During this win streak, this is a team now that has batted 291. They got their strikeouts down to eight and a half times a game. Okay, they have an OBP of 344 and a slugging of 528. That's not where this team was. Their slash lines were 244, OBP of 310, and a slugging of 424. And as I said, over the last eight games, the numbers dramatically have gone up. 291, 344, 528. That's huge. So they're doing the things that they need to do to be better, and they're taking advantage of bad opponents. In fairness, you could argue that they had chances to play against Cincinnati, and Washington earlier this year didn't take advantage of it. They had chances to play against the Cubs. The Texas Rangers didn't take advantage of it. I mean, not everybody has been a high-level team that they've played this year. So it's it's fair to say that this is a team now that has started to play baseball the right way. The numbers back that up. Uh, and they are beating teams that they are supposed to beat, which is super critical because it's the only way that they were going to get above 500 at this point. You can't keep rubbing, running up against the Mets and the Dodgers and, and, and good teams and expect to beat them every single time. Uh, that's just not not reality. Heck, I mean, even the, even the Dodgers got swept by the Pirates. You're going to have bad stretches of baseball over the course of six months. It's just going to happen. They're having a good stretch against bad teams at the right time, and it's certainly benefiting them. So, uh, I, I mean, you start to feel better about where this team is uh, and and the way that they're hitting the ball, and this is a lineup in that has to carry this team. It's not because the pitching isn't good enough, but this is a lineup that's built to score a ton of runs. This is a lineup that's built to match the baseball of 162, and you don't need the high-level pitching you got from Max Fried last night, which you've gotten from Kyle Wright. You know, you're, you should be able to survive the Charlie Morton slow start and the bumps in the road. You know, you should be able to survive the not figuring out who the fifth starter is and eventually setting, settling on Spencer Strider. You should be able to survive all those things and certainly be able to survive until Mike Soroka gets back into the rotation because the lineup is built that way. So very much a a, uh, a thumbs up to the Braves offense for actually showing up and being the Braves offense. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to flip from offense to defense because that's exactly – what the Atlanta Hawks need. I know it's free agency and they have a little bit of room to, to play with, but trades may be the way to go to get the Hawks to the next level next season. That's coming up next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is A to Z. I'm Mark Zinno. Make sure you guys give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O, of course, at Locked On ATL, where you can see all of the great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, A to Z, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste as well, our Braves postcast after every Braves game, Locked On Falcons and Locked On Hawks. The entire Locked On Atlanta sports crew here. Something great that we're building. We've gotten a lot of support and a, and a lot of uh, reaction from you guys so far. So please keep it up and make sure you stay tuned to Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day. And thanks for making us part of your sports listening experience here in Atlanta. All right. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are heading into the offseason. And they clearly don't have a ton of cap room. Um, to be able to wiggle and play with and and make this team better and this defense better. But they do have a number of trade targets. And as I've said repeatedly about this team, that I don't know that they can get any better without a major roster move that's going to change the dynamics of the team, right? The one thing we know is that you can't run it back with the same guys that you had this year. You're just not going to be good enough. You're not really – well, you, you are good enough on offense because you have Trey. But I don't know if you have a depth of, of good enough offense on a routine basis. As you watch the NBA Finals, you're starting to see that secondary scoring be a major part of who's winning and losing games. Um, so from that standpoint, but you're certainly not good enough on defense. I think you have the offense. You certainly have the, the three-point shooting with Trey. So they're going to have to make some moves here this offseason, and that's going to require – getting rid of some guys who were big parts of the team for the last couple of years um, and, 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 the, and the long playoff run that they had two seasons ago. So Chris Kirshner, our good buddy of The Athletic, put together a list of possible trades and, and, and players that the Hawks may target through trades uh, this offseason. Um, and DeAndre Ayton from the Phoenix Suns, one of them. Uh, obviously, Rudy Gobert is, is on the list, but let's look at some of the other players because Rudy Gobert may be the easy target to go and get of all of them out there. But uh, if you go get DeAndre Ayton, obviously you're getting rid of Clint Capella. You may be getting rid of John Collins along in the deal. Um, and again, this is a Phoenix Suns team that for the last couple of years has been knocking on the doorstep of an NBA title uh, with a trip to the finals already in their pocket. So, you know, this is a spot here where you might not have the easiest trade with this team because for them to break up their roster – is a little bit different than everybody else. But it would cost, I think, a very big amount for the Hawks to be able to get DeAndre Ayton. Is he like one of the perfect compliments to um, Trey? Yeah. I mean, is he a better scorer than Clint? Yeah. Is he the same defender? Probably. But, you know, this is a guy that that can be a much better secondary scorer than the Hawks have had, and that's no disrespect to John Collins. Because um, I think Collins is a good secondary scorer. He really wasn't healthy all that much this year. Um, and somehow if you can keep eight and Collins in the deal, well, then you look like you have almost like a big three to that standpoint. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that trade is structured if it ever goes through. Malcolm Brogdon of the Indiana Pacers. Um, this is another guy who's got a ton of injury history here, but uh, he is an outstanding defender. Um, and he's on a team right now in Indiana where, they probably don't want players. They just want picks in return. Uh, he's pricey uh, because he's got three years and 67 million left. Uh, and that is, you know, 
a fairly significant number that the Hawks may have to, and Tony Gresham may have to get involved to say, hey, we're going to go over the luxury tax here and, and, and start paying that. Uh, Jeremy Grant of the Detroit Pistons, he would be probably one of the more easier guys to acquire, a very good defender and a role player, not going to cost a, a, a ton of money, but uh, he is a guy that is pending free agency uh, in a year. And, you know, do you want to pay him that kind of money? I don't think the Hawks do uh, long-term. So you'd essentially be giving away this guy for a one-year asset that you would end up not re-signing and giving away. Uh, and it kind of depends on the cost more than anything. Uh, a couple of the names out there, Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls, which is interesting um, because he is more of a point guard than a two guard. And could he do more of the ball handling for Trey and let Trey operate off ball? And um, could he be more of a facilitator than Trey could be offensively? I mean, there's a lot of different ways that Levine could fit in. Um, he's a very good three point shooter, you know, and I, I think that he's a guy that would make Trey infinitely more dangerous just because of his three-point shooting and his ability to help spread out the floor. Uh, and that would give Trey a lot of other options, again, off ball, um, to see how things go. So uh, it's it's going to be hard because the Bulls can offer him five years as opposed to everybody else uh, being able to offer four. So it may be hard to get him out of there, but you know that may be a sign and trade that the Hawks have to be willing to take on that contract down the road. The final name on the list is very interesting. And it's Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who wanted Ben Simmons early in the year when he was up for sale from Philadelphia. There's a lot of people who didn't. Um, and I get the reasons why people do want him and don't want him. Uh, I'm, I'm indifferent to it all, to be honest with you. I mean, clearly we haven't seen Ben Simmons play in a long time. The last time we did see him play, we don't have the best feeling about how he played. And is this a guy that, you're getting to make your your team better offensively as well as defensively. Is that the expectation? Is it fair to have that expectation? Um, you know, I don't know that Brooklyn would let him go uh, because Brooklyn was atrocious on defense last year and they need him defensively more than anything. They probably don't need him. They may be one of the teams that don't need his help offensively. Just play defense and dish the ball and you'll be fine. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, he, uh, he, what do you call it? Uh, he could be a fit in other places, but I just don't – I don't know that the Hawks really have a ton of uh, – what they would have to give up for him would be a, a, of high-level interest to them. That They're likely giving up more than they're getting in a deal for Ben Simmons, and that's, that's really tough for them to uh, – for them to deal with, right? Uh, so there's, there's, there's a bunch of names out there, and this is a great column by, by Chris Kirshner of The Athletic and, and really dives into – um, some of the some of the players that could be out there, just a couple of other names he has in here. Jonathan Isaac at the Magic, the forward there. John, Josh Hart from the Portland Trailblazers. You know, these are some other names out there um, when you look at possible trade options for the Hawks to get better defensively. They're, they're going to have to change the roster. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And if they don't do it and they run it back with this same group and, and only one or two minor changes, you're going to get the same results an eight seed and and out in the first round. That's really what it's going to boil down to for them. All right, coming up next, the Atlanta Falcons uh, are looking to revamp their offense in strange ways. We'll discuss that. 
right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. More to come right here on A to Z. A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Wrapping things up here on this Friday, uh, we have some interesting things to get to with the Atlanta Falcons uh, and some comments from their offensive coordinator that I did not expect to hear uh, coming out of OTAs. We'll get to that in just a minute. But now, time for Shovels of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every day. We hand out a shovel of actually right up the head screen or things like You can do so as well on my Twitter account at my channel. Just use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. Today, my shovel goes to James Anastasio. I have no idea who's going to be on the show. And I'm going to be on the show. I'm going to be I know that this is James Anastasio. But I saw this on Twitter. I often, you know, don't like to do these things when I tell people to do this. So, uh, there's a guy named Scott Coffin, who's a super Scott Coffin fellow. Uh, he's now my first time on the team. He's back to the Rangers, right? He's in the for a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, uh, this Scott Kaplan tweeted a video of the fans leaving Madison Square Garden, and he has a video of a young man wearing a red Rangers jersey, even though they're blue. He has a red Rangers T-shirt on. It's like a T-shirt, whatever you call it. And uh, you can hear people talking in the background, and as he's walking and following the guy, he sees this man in the red shirt, who is presumed to be James Anastasio, turn around, roundhouse left hook a lightning fan and knock him out cold on the ground. Uh, and when I say out cold, I mean out cold. Uh, obviously, the victim, uh, you know, it went, uh, I'm sorry, the victim was not okay. <laughs> uh, there were reports that he went to the hospital, um, had a concussion and everything else. I don't know if that's 100% true, um, but nonetheless, um, that young man, and I tweeted it out, he needed to be caught, needed to be found out who he was, needed to be arrested and go to jail. It's absolutely ridiculous. And according to a reporter in Tampa, Evan Axelbank, his Twitter account says, confirming James Anastasio, 29 of Staten Island, was arrested and charged with two counts of assault, two counts of disorderly conduct, and two counts of harassment. And I hope that's true. I mean, who are these people nowadays who are still starting fights, grown men who are still starting fights at professional sporting events. What the hell is wrong with some of you people? And if it is James Anastasio who cold cocked that guy and knocked him out, I do hope you go to prison. I, I don't I don't have any reservations about saying that. You know what? Might have had too much drink, might have been a bad judgment, might have been a whole lot of things. But guess what? You don't get to get away with this one for no reason. It's uncalled for, it's disgusting, it's ridiculous, and there's literally no reason that this should still be going on at professional sporting events. Like, I don't ever remember being a kid growing up and watching fights at sporting events. And maybe they happened all the time and I didn't see them. Um, maybe before the advent of social media, you know, these things happened all the time and we never saw them. But I, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around it. 
I, I really, really can't. Like, I, I can't understand for the life of me how somebody could do that. So I hope they found the guy. I hope it's arrested. If it's not James Anastasio and he's listening and watching, James, I'm sorry. Um, if it is you, you deserve everything you get. There you go. Okay. Um, let's pivot to the Atlanta Falcons here as they wrapped up OTAs yesterday. Um, and I uh, I heard something from – or read something, rather, from offensive coordinator Dave Rangone, a um, former NFL quarterback and, and played at Louisville, uh, who was the offensive coordinator of Arthur Smith's system. He was there last year as well. Uh, and what he said was surprising from the standpoint of I was going into this season under the presumption that – there was a certain mentality about the quarterbacks and what they are capable of and what they're going to be asked to do this year. Well, to quote Dave Rangone, there are no limitations on the quarterbacks and what we're going to ask them to do. We're going to try to grow with them and evolve with them with what we think makes the most sense. Uh, okay. If you ask me what makes the most sense is to ask very little of these quarterbacks because they're not proven capable commodities. And I'm not necessarily being an antagonist here to Dave Rangone. It's just one of those things where I thought, and I assumed like many did that the plan would be to not throw too much at Marcus Mariota because he's not an accurate passer. Uh, and he's not a guy that traditionally in his past, has been able to elevate other players. Um, that's number one. And number two, if you're using the rookie, it's never throw too much at him. Don't overload him with information. Simplify things. Break it down. Don't open up the entire playbook for him because they're rookies and they don't really have the depth to be able to do it in year one. Now, this could just be coach speak that there is no limitations on these quarterbacks. I don't believe it. I think there has to be some level of limitation on them. I, I, I guess you, you could take, you know, one or two plays here and there that you want to try with them and see where it goes. But if you're a competitive team, which the Falcons say that they're going to be, one or two plays could change the entire outcome of the game. So you have to be cautious with when and where you take those shots and how you take them and when you do them and everything else. And um, I appreciate the aggressiveness. And I do think Arthur Smith is a very innovative offensive mind in this league. And I think we will really find out the level of coach and the level of scheme that he has with these two quarterbacks. It's easy for Matt Ryan, for as capable as he is, to hide a lot of deficiencies. That is not the case. Marcus Mariota is not going to hide deficiencies. Neither is Desmond Ritter. They're going to expose them. Right? They'll get exposed with complicated scheme and tough things. So. Um, you know, maybe you're not having limitations on them per se. You're just having limitations on the entire offense around them, which may be fair given what this offense is made of at this point in time. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll see. We head out to uh, to training camp next week or mini mandatory mini camp rather and, and see what the team is made of. I'm excited to get out there and do it uh, and, and get a chance to look at them firsthand. It's been a long time since I've had a chance to go cover the team up and close. Um, and so I'm excited to get back out there and I'll have a full report with you guys going forward. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us here on this Friday. I'm uh, hoping you guys have a wonderful weekend ahead. Be safe, be smart. Don't hit any other fans. Okay. And let's see if we still have a Braves winning streak 
when we get back here on Monday. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno. Follow us at Locked On ATL. Thanks for making A to Z one of your first listens every single day. Make your next listen, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery and ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Denitra Batiste and everybody here on the Locked On Sports Atlanta crew. Certainly appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. See you Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 